Welcome, everyone, to the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Here on the show, we bring you interviews with business owners, executives, and key players operating in and around the Ottawa, Ontario, Canada region. We grab their insights on business, marketing, leadership, and motivation. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, we have Carrie Smith, human physiotherapist and a canine therapist and owner of the Kempville Canine Center for the past five years. We're going to dive deep today on Carrie's story and her journey from the 1998 Nagano Olympics all the way to present day with her specialized canine center focusing on individual care for dogs. We're going to get her advice on for those those pet owners out there that have dogs, what you can do for them. And we're also going to find out some of her business insights that she can pass on to those business owners out there looking to grow their business in 2021. You're going to want to tune into this. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, we have a very special guest here today. We have with us Carrie Smith. Carrie is a human physiotherapist, a canine rehab therapist, and the owner of the Kempville Canine Center for the past five years. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. And may I say, you sound very good on the radio. <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. <laughs> a voice very like velvet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, as my wife likes to tell me, I have a for radio. <laughs> Carrie, maybe we could start off with uh, bringing the audience a little bit, a little bit into your past and sort of your, your roots, where you were born and insights to your upbringing, etc., Sure. So I, uh, I was born in Sault Ste. Marie, so I'm, uh, I have Northern Ontario in my blood, uh, but actually grew up in Georgetown, which is just sort of outside Toronto. When I grew up there, it was all hay fields and cornfields. Now it's really just part of the, the mega city, but um, my folks still live in the same house and uh, they've lived there since 1970. So it's still fun to go home and visit. And um I have um, brother. Well, the rest of my family is all in that area, and then um, the cousins are still all up in Sault Ste. Marie. So I get up there fairly regularly as well. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That's nice. What What was your What was your upbringing like? Were you, you know, seeing that you've sort of graduated into the world of of caring for animals? Did Did you have an early passion for that or interest in that? I think I might be adopted because my. <laughs> Parents hate animals. <laughs> I swear, we never had animals growing up. I begged and begged for a dog. You know, okay. the closest we, my sister begged and begged for a horse. The closest we got was a goldfish and a turtle. So wow. yeah. So anyway, I'm not quite sure where the animal thing came from, but it was it was in me and not in anyone else. Yeah. And uh, but I was always like uh, sporty, you know, like I was skiing and I grew up skiing and playing soccer and field hockey. Okay. And like that. So that was sort of sparked my interest in physio as a career. 
I see. I see. Okay. And did you, did you play any, any of those sports at a competitive level or just in high school? Or? Uh, yeah, I played uh, soccer at a uh, provincial level when I was out in Alberta. Okay. And um, yeah, so that was, that was a lot of fun, but uh, my knees are too old now to worry about <laughs> it. And now when I ski, I have to wear two knee braces. So oh, I see. <laughs> orthopedic appliances, Yahoo. <laughs> so would you characterize yourself in high school as kind of the jock or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And did you watch, did, having said that, did you watch sports as well? Was that, was that something you were passionate about? No, for? not really. I mean, no. um, you know, growing up around Toronto, we always had to watch the Leafs games, but uh, other than that, no. Well, that was pretty painful, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I so don't fo- continue with that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so following along high school, you, you went to Western University. Yeah, so University of Western Ontario, I graduated from physio school in 1985. Yeah. And then uh, just because I'm a skier and there isn't a lot of skiing uh, in where I was living, uh, I headed west with some friends and uh, out to Alberta to uh, start my physio career. And okay. um, started in Edmonton, ended up in Fort McMurray. Again, not actually very close to skiing, but we did have a nice little hill there. So uh, I uh, joined the ski patrol. So I ski patrolled for many, many years. And in Fort Mac, it was great because it's a small, at that point, it was a small town. And uh, as I would haul the people off the hill in the toboggan, I would Mm -hmm. hand them my physio card and say, you know, in six weeks when your cast comes off, you can Mm -hmm. come and see me at the clinic. And they would. So they'd walk into the clinic. I'm like, oh, I don't need your history. I know exactly what happened to you. So, so I'm so the one were... that took you off the hill. Yeah. <laughs> so you're prospecting on the slopes. That's right. Now, I didn't cause any of those accidents, just so you know. Yeah. But yeah, now, it just, was a win-win just, situation. Just for the audience. So is, is ski patrol, you're also almost like a, is it a paramedic almost? Like- yeah. So you're the emergency first aid. Right. And so, okay. uh, and you know, the ambulance can't get down the hill. So our role is to, you know, stabilize the, the, the injury and okay. the patient and then put them up in the toboggan and then get them back up the hill so that the paramedics then would meet us at the, at the parking lot and then take them from there. So oh, I see. Uh, yeah, ski patrol is your, your, your paramedic of the slope of the slopes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And what, what just, just on that, like, do you travel up and is it, you just travel up and down the hill or do you just wait in a particular spot on the, on the hill? It depends how cold it is. So on oh, a nice okay. day, we just ski all day and we just alternate what hills were, you know, what runs were on. But if it, you know, in Fort McMurray, I don't know if anyone's been up there. It's really, really cold. Yeah. And uh, the, the hill would close if the predicted high of the day was less than colder than minus 39 so oh or God. sorry minus 29 so if it was gonna about one in the afternoon if it was gonna get to minus 29 the hill would stay open which meant at 7 a.m it was minus 45 so we would our patrol hut was at the top of the hill and we would have one patroller at at a time and we all of course have radios so yeah. one person would ski the first run, come back in, warm up. The second guy would ski the second run, come back in and warm up. Third guy. So, you know, you would sparingly ski that day and hope to hell that no one got injured. So, <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't like that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're skiing out in Fort Mac, you're doing some, some physiotherapy work, and then you make the move back 
to well yeah came back to ontario just actually um political reasons klein came in and the the whole government changed in alberta and okay. it really really changed the face of physio uh so in fact some clinics went out of business um because they cut alberta healthcare like in half so it sort of really shook up the healthcare care world. And for me, it was kind of getting time to come, come back East anyway. So, um, okay. I, uh, ended up, uh, in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Okay. How did you, how did you choose Ottawa? Oh, my sister was living here at the time and I had a friend, some friends here. So it's oh, okay. like a good place to come. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, very nice. Very- mm-hmm. Now I, now being a sports nut myself, I want to get into night. So 19, that's 96 when you're back in Ottawa, 1998. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the head physiotherapist for Canada's women's hockey team at the Nagano Olympics. How does that happen? Right place at the right time. So in physio, we have, uh, we have different specialties or um, certifications that um, allow you to work in different parts of physio. So for, to work with a national team in a, a sport team, you need a certificate in sport physiotherapy. So I had done that already when I was in Alberta. So I had literally just moved to Ottawa. I had been here 24 hours, was just unpacking. I didn't even have a job yet. I was going to go look and work with some friends um, probably in a week or two. And a friend of mine at Nepean Sportplex says, oh, hey, there's a sport physio meeting at the clinic tonight. Do you want to come and meet some of the local sport physios? I'm like, yeah, great. You know, start to get into some of the, local local stuff that's going on so I went to the meeting and in the meeting uh the the gal running the meeting said oh we've received a a letter from hockey Canada asking you know this is way before the days of email right so asking if um if there are any physios available to cover a one week uh hockey camp in Ottawa starting next week, because I guess the physio they had was sick or something. Anyway. Okay. So, so we thought, Oh, it's just going to be like 12 year old boys or like no one was like, <laughs> Oh, you didn't know who it was. No, we didn't know who it was. So oh. no, n- none of us were very interested, but literally I had just arrived. I had nothing to, I was just unpacking. I wasn't working. I'm like, I, I have time. I can do it. So I gave them my name. I'm the only one that gave them the, so they called me the next day. Well, it turns out it's the women's national team. Wow. And it's a three nations cup with the U S Finland, uh, Sweden and us. So it was like, Oh, sweet. Right. <laughs> so, so now I'm the, the physio for the Canadian team in the or four nations cup, I guess it was uh, at this four nations cup. We end up winning the gold medal. It was so much fun. It was awesome. Yeah. And so they invited me back the next year to, to do the world championships with them and a couple training camps. And then they invited me to become the, uh, the physio for the Olympic team. So of course I said, yes. So that was the, um, yeah, 90, uh, 98 women's, uh, Olympics in Nagano. And that was yeah. the first time women's hockey was an Olympic sport. So that was pretty exciting. Too. Okay. Okay. So that was, yeah. 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 So just really right place at the right time. I had the right qualifications and I was willing to volunteer when no one else was right. Right. So right. that's how it started. Yeah. And what, what was that experience like? Uh, it's a, a little bit surreal. Like, um, okay. I'll tell you a story. Don't tell anyone, but, uh, <laughs> 
the our first Olympic hockey injury. So we get to Nagano. We have we've had a training camp in Japan for a week, so we're climatized to the time and everything like that. And we get to the athletes' village, and the village is amazing because they have ev- everything is free, right? So you just okay. walk through. You can go get your hair cut. You can go get food. You can go to a movie. You can go to the arcade. You can do whatever you want. Everything's free for the athletes and the staff as long as you've got um, you know your pass. And so the, the athletes were like, oh, this, you know, this is like amazing, right? You get to meet all the other athletes. And so the coaches had given them a day off just to kind of tour around and, you know, have fun and get used to it before we started training again. So they had this one day off. So the, the following day, very early in the morning, one of our forwards comes up to me and she says, Carrie, oh my God, don't tell the coach. I can't move my thumb. She couldn't hold the stick. Okay. And I'm like, Schuler, like what happened? So she's she was playing video games with Elvis Stoiko for 12 hours <laughs> and couldn't move her thumbs because she was doing all this repetitive movement when like playing Froggy Kong or something. I don't even know what she was playing. But I'm like, oh my God. So we are not going to tell the coach about this. We're just going to tape your thumb up by hopefully by, you know, tomorrow you will be able to hold the stick. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Anyway, she was fine in a couple days, but that was our first Olympic hockey injury. Yeah. <laughs> so other than that, it is really, really cool to be there and, and just be yeah. in the, just the, you know, the atmosphere is different. It's just like, it's exciting just walking through the village, you know? And, okay. and so, uh, yeah, quite a, quite a really, it was a really cool moment. Yeah. And, and were those connections that you had in 98 with that women's uh, hockey team, were those instrumental to 2011 working with the men's? uh, Yeah, I I would say because that, you know, that's working at a fairly high level in sport. Yeah. And the more you work at that level, the more, you know, you gain um, insight and knowledge from other physios, like other, even other countries, you know, the, the medical teams would get together and, and talk about techniques and backboarding okay. and things okay. like that. So, so you learn a lot at the events yeah. uh, themselves and you get to know the other therapists from the other countries and you share tips and things like that. Because uh, our, our whole role is, you know, we want Canada to win, but we also want all the athletes to be safe and healthy. Right. So right. the medical teams off and kind of get together. Um, and so the more experience you have like that, the more things you learn along the way, and so that helps you then, you know, get established with, you know, other national teams. So I had had all the hockey experience and then applied to the uh, Rugby Canada sent out a call for applications for physios for our men's national rugby team, our 15s team. Okay. So and I had done a lot of rugby coverage in Fort McMurray when I was there. So I, uh, I applied to Rugby Canada and then they accepted me as one of the team physios and uh, but a lot to do with because i had so much uh, olympic hockey experience yeah i see i see and in in the hockey i wanted to ask this as well were you at the end of the bench with the backup goalie or yeah yeah so the, the most stressful part for me is opening the door because oh, you had to do that i had to open the door so <laughs> but i I'm watching the play, right? So I'm not paying attention to the people coming off the ice. I'm making sure everybody's getting up who's on the ice. And then the goalie would always have to say, Gary, and then I would like open the door. So I, you know, the more, the more I worked the door, the better I got at it. But you know, that was the scariest thing for me. (laughs) And if there was an injury, did you go out on the ice too? 
Yes, but I'd have to tell you one time, this was not at the Olympics, but at the World Championships right before the Olympic Games. It's not very often that the physio has to go out on the ice for hockey. Usually they can skate into the into the um, the bench area, right? Yeah. So one of our players, one of our forwards goes down and it's stressful. It's third period. We're playing the U.S., which is our arch enemy. Yeah. It, uh, it's a tie game. There's like 10 minutes left in the third, and this is the world championships leading up to the Olympics. So very high stress time, right? <laughs> yeah. So one of our forwards goes down and she's not getting up. So okay. so I'm like, I'm watching her. Oh, okay, I've got to get out there. So usually some of the other players will help me across because I'm not in skates, I'm just in shoes. So they yeah. they help me get out to the player and I kneel down beside her. And I hadn't seen anything happen. So I'm like, Nancy, what's going on? What happened? Yeah. So she looks at me and she says, oh, nothing. I just wanted you. So. <laughs> Sorry, what, what did you just, what did she say? She said, nothing happened. I just wanted you to get on TV. <laughs> yeah. Because this is on live TV. So now I'm like, oh my God. So now I have to pretend to look at something. I'm looking at her knee because I'm now I'm going to look like an idiot if I'm out there and I'm not looking at anything, right? So I'm like, oh my God. So anyway, got her back onto the bench, pretended she had a knee injury. Coach is freaking out. I'm like, no, don't worry. She'll be fine. And then it just was enough to break the ice for them, like to break that stress. Yeah. And then she actually scored the winning goal about five minutes later. So oh, yeah, wow. oh, it's pretty geez. funny, but I could have <laughs> killed her. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I did get on TV. <laughs> <laughs> now what's it like doing men's men's rugby? I mean, that's a different whole different. Oh, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. So it's, um, uh, it, it's 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 more stressful it's it's a it's a much bigger event right like it's uh okay, oh, okay. Uh, it, it's a much like women's you know women's hockey is awesome um but men's rugby is a huge i, I was just telling you earlier it's the third largest uh sport competition in the world and so high security uh, yeah. you, you know, you follow like everything is set out for you, really amazing facilities, but um, yeah, it's just a bit stressful. Yeah. And there, there's always two therapists, one's on one side of the field and the other one's on the other side of the field, because we kind of, we run up and down the touchline and we, we, you know, so that we're close to when somebody goes down, but. Um, oh, so you're following the play. On oh yeah. We're following the play. Okay. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, and anything you're on the big screen, right? You're on the big jumbotron and somebody goes down, everyone's watching. So you, you're kind of under scrutiny all the time. Yeah. So it's like we practice all the time, right. Getting, getting guys off the field quickly because, uh, you know, in rugby it's time sensitive. And if a player goes down, yeah. um, you, if they leave the field, you, they can't go back on the field. So okay. you have to, to treat them on the field and yeah. you've got to do it within a couple minutes. Otherwise, if they leave, they're out of the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you've got to make decisions really, really quickly. And, and, and if it's a you know, good player and your, your coach is really needing that player to be out there and the team's really needing to, that to be out there, you know, you've got to really be careful of your decisions that you're making. Okay. So, you know, they will always support the medical team, but we're, we're careful not to pull someone out for no reason. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, right. Anyways. So, so it's a bit of a fine fun line. things to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's a fun, it's a fun part of physio. It's a, it's a lot of work. Um, I've retired from all that because it's just too, it takes too much time and it's kind of a young person's game. Now I, I've, re- I've retired from humans and I, now I do dog agility world championships. So okay. um, the dogs come in through the opening ceremonies and the dogs are all holding their flags and it's just like a real, world championships except it's dogs and it's awesome <laughs> okay and what 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 is that Gary? is it like a bunch of obstacle courses like a- so agility is where there's you know there's tunnels and jumps and uh, all these obstacles they have to get through in a certain amount of time and we have a canadian team and uh so i travel with the canadian team and we do a world championships every year and okay. unfortunately last year like 2019 or 2020s was canceled and 2021s has been has been deferred. We don't know if it'll run yet or not, but um, okay. But it is it is quite a lot of fun. They like it when I travel with them because I can treat the humans and the dogs. So <laughs> uh, so they get two for one when they bring me with them. <laughs> yeah. Tell us what what is the Kemp Kempville Canine Clinic all about? So um, thing any injury that a human can get, a dog can also get. So they get sports injuries they get arthritis they get uh disc herniations they get all kinds of repetitive strain injuries compensation problems amputations all kinds of things so um canine rehab is fairly new in veterinary medicine probably within the last 15 years um and so uh, a lot of uh, physios are kind of a good fit for this because we really can take all of our human skills and we transfer them from two legs to four legs because the anatomy is very similar. The joints work the same. The muscles work the same. The nerves work the same. The acupuncture points are the same. The, the types of injuries they get are the same. So it is really not difficult for a physio with, with you can get specialized training in treating animals to take all our human skills and transfer it to an animal. And, um, and we find that animals respond amazingly well. They're really quick to respond. Uh, and we can make such a difference um, in the quality of life of these animals that vets are now starting to talk more about rehab and starting to learn it in vet school. And it's starting to kind of become the buzz phrase in veterinary medicine now is rehabilitation. Okay. So I've been working with dogs. Uh, I guess I took my first course in the late nineties. And then in 2004, I did a, a big certificate in canine rehab because then I, at that point I ha- was kind of finishing up my sport, human sport things and the clinics running well, and I'm looking for a different challenge. Right. And you know, you, you've been in a profession long enough. You want to challenge your brain a little bit more. So, uh, so for me, it was a natural fit for the dogs, even though I'm adopted and my, I don't know who my real parents are because my, my parents don't like dogs at all. But <laughs> anyway, that's beside the point. So anyway, I just had this affinity for animals. So um, uh, anyway, so it was a good fit for me. So I did this program and then I kind of went and talked to the vets I knew saying, look, I've got this qualification now. And I yeah. started working in the vet clinic uh, and they would give me a room. Like I would work on a Saturday and I would see all their post-operative patients. So, okay. or I would see their arthritic dogs or, you know, whatever, whatever they had. Yeah. And then it just got busier and busier and busier. And uh, a space became available right beside our human clinic in Kempville. 
And so my business partners and I decided we would rent that space and start our own canine clinic right beside our human clinic. Okay. Um, and so that was about five years ago. And we were actually the only the second physio clinic in Canada to treat dogs. The first one was in Calgary. Oh, we were interesting. The second one, and then not long after we opened, there was one in Niagara that opened as well. So oh, good for you. Very, very new uh, kind of in veterinary medicine to to be looking at uh, physio for dogs, basically. And, and what's happened over the over the five years, Carrie? Has it has it picked up in terms of you know vets being more open to recommending the services? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have a we have a very good reputation with all the vets. The vets are all for it because because we work with the vets. We're, we're not in competition with the vets. And so, because they can't offer what we can offer in their own clinics. And so we have referrals from the whole Ottawa Valley, the whole area. I have people coming in from uh, North Bay, from Montreal, uh, from Kingston. Like we, we cover, uh, and I have a few people coming up from the States when the border is over. Like we we have a huge catchment area because there are not very many of us around who are okay. doing this. And, and the vets are really, really supportive. We only work with a vet referral. So if you want your dog to have physio, you need to go see your vet first because they have to rule out all the medical things that could be wrong because we don't take x-rays and we don't do, we don't t- do blood tests and, you know, we, we do the rehab part. So once I the see. vet has said, this is an, you know, an orthopedic or like a muscle problem or a joint problem or arthritis, so rehab then is appropriate, then they send the dog to rehab and then we look after them. So, uh, so we have a, yeah, a huge uh, group and it's just busier every year. So it started out with me working one day a week uh, when I worked in the vet clinics. And now we have our own clinic with four canine physios and wow. uh, yeah, we're, we're swamped. It's fabulous. And now I probably do, I'm doing 80% dogs and only about 20% humans, I would say. Okay. Okay. And, and is it just dogs that you get there or do you get other animals? Uh, we get, always have a few cats on my caseload. Cats don't get the same injuries that dogs do. Uh, they're pretty flexible. They, they don't do the same like sports and stuff that dogs do. So I see cats if they've had injuries, like they've been hit by a car or something like that, okay. or if they're very old and they're quite arthritic. So it's not uncommon for me to see like a 20 year old cat that okay. is arthritic because, because those older cats, they don't fight you. They just, just kind of relax and they, they go with, well, cause it, cause you can make them feel a lot better. So I always have a few cats. I okay. have treated a squirrel. I've treated a llama. I've treated a Guinea pig named sparkles. How, how did you get uh, the llama? Like, did they bring it into the clinic? Or no, the llama was a, a friend of mine had llamas on her farm. So she just called me up and said, I have a llama that can't lift his head up. He got his head stuck between the, in the fence. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go over and take a look. And I, you could palpate his neck and you could feel there's a vertebrae that was really jammed. Okay. And so I'm just working on this vertebrae and the llama has got his head resting on my shoulder and I've got both hands on his neck, just doing some work on the neck. And the llama is just going, like just totally relaxing. And, <laughs> and I've got the whole weight of his head now on my shoulder. He's about to fall asleep. Anyway, he was fine the next day. So it was hilarious. Yep. And I have le- recently treated two ducks. So, yeah, yeah. Tell uh, us about the ducks. Oh, the I ducks wanna... <laughs> are a riot. So if you go on our Facebook page called yeah, Simple Canine Center. Picture. 
you can check out the ducks. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the one duck was born with a bad neck. So uh, I just, um, you know, we did some work on his neck and he still has a bad neck, but now like initially his neck was so crooked, he couldn't lift it up and okay. his, not, his head was hanging low. So if he would swim, you know, his face was underwater. Oh, okay. So I'm saying to the owner, like, if the duck can't swim, is it still a duck? You know, like <laughs> that is just, that's just not right. Right. So now his name is McQueen. He can lift his head up and he has a girlfriend and he can swim and he can eat. And he, yeah. So he, he's doing very well. And the other duck, I don't know if you've ever watched Shit's Creek. Awesome Canadian show. Oh yes. Um, so the other duck's name is Moira Rose. So Moira okay. was attacked by a weasel and uh, injured oh. her leg. So the vet sent her to physio for some uh, some leg rehab so her leg wouldn't get too stiff. So, yeah. So I'm going into the duck. Uh, my human people keep saying I'm quackers. Now, I don't know if that's an insult <laughs> or not, but I've gone to the ducks. <laughs> if if someone's listening to this, Carrie, thinking of the clinic, take Take us through the process that, that they would go through. Come in. Okay. So you would, so again, you need a referral from your vet. So if you're, so, you know, we would see lame, we would see anything that's orthopedic or neurological. So if your dog's had any kind of an injury or it's just slowing down, or if you're in, into sports like fly ball and agility, we do a lot of just, um, sport checks right just to make sure that they're ready to go for the upcoming seasons so they don't even really have to be injured to come in and get a kind of a fitness assessment and so your vet would refer you and then you can you know you can just call us or book online uh it's an easy system i think paul you're going to put up the contact info yeah 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 we'll yeah. put all that after you, um, so and you just book an appointment and you come in so yeah it's as easy as that and generally i have i have a three treatment rule so dogs respond very well to rehab and they here's the biggest difference between a dog patient and a human patient the dogs love to do their exercises <laughs> they will do anything for liver so you know i offer dried liver to my human patients and they won't do their knee exercises but i offer dried liver to my dog patients and they will do anything for that so that's why they get so much better people is they do their exercises. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so within three treatments, generally we have seen a change, right? Like the dog's improving. He can, you know, do the stairs. He's not as sore. You, you're seeing some kind of objective change. And then we start spreading the treatments out a little bit more at that point because they can, they don't need as much uh, intervention. Um, if we don't see a big, you know, a fairly good change by the third treatment, it may be that we're treating a secondary problem because dogs, it's really easy for a dog to cheat. And they, because they have three other legs on the ground, they can shift their weight around. And so they could come in with what looks like a front leg lameness, but their front leg is only sore because they're taking the weight off the hind leg and the actual problem is in the hind leg. So uh, if you're not seeing fairly quick results, kind of, we always reassess every treatment anyway, but you know, we kind of say, wait a minute, what, what else could be going on here that's giving us these symptoms? Because we're not, we're not seeing this fairly fast change around. So, okay. um, so it doesn't, it, I always tell people get, you know, commit to three treatments and you'll, you'll see a difference. And, and is, is pet insurance something that, that 
that this is this covers this service or yeah so uh a lot of people now are coming in with pet insurance it was not even around 20 years ago but but there's a couple different two or three different type of plans out there if you have pet insurance there's generally different levels of insurance and so it's generally only the top level that includes all the rehab. So you can have a basic level, which would be your accidents like hit by car. Uh, but that top level would cover uh, like physio treatments, laser treatments, acupuncture treatments, you know, t- things like that. So mm-hmm. just look at each coverage is a little bit different. But um, uh, we have a, probably 20 to 25% of our patients now have insurance. Okay. Okay. And I will say, um, before we recorded this interview, I had a quick conversation with Carrie and she gave me a tip for my dog and for other dogs out there, uh, without putting words in your mouth here, Carrie, you told me to go get a (laughs) very small roller paint roller at the, and one of the, one of the edging ones at the store and rub it all over the dog. And my guy loves it. And he quite, he quite enjoys it without even the roller cage, just, just the roller cage without the foam roller on. So yeah, it's very well. Yeah. So that's a treatment. So I get stuff from the dollar store. Dollar store is my favorite store when I work with dogs. So just a little paint roller. Um, it's very light pressure as if you have lots of paint on the roller, not as if you're trying to smash out the last little bit of paint, you know, so <laughs> it's a light roll. And it works the fascia of the dog. And the fascia is right underneath the skin. And the fascia can get very sticky and very stiff, particularly in senior dogs. So I get uh, the owners, I usually show this with all my senior dog owners, is just roll that paint roller up and down the back, across the back, in all different directions. The fascia is like a big sheet of saran wrap. It doesn't run in nice straight lines. It runs kind of all over the place. So roll up and around your dog's back, the belly, under the armpits, in the groin. And the dog, it, it's like this awesome massage for the dog. Yeah, yeah. And it, like literally five, 10 minutes is all you need to do. And a lot of patients who have labs say, oh, my lab goes and picks up the roller at night and brings it to me and puts it in my lap. Oh, so that's incredible. Literally, they absolutely love this. So here's your $2 tip for the day. Go get a paint roller and try this on your dog tonight. Does it does it work on cats as well or just dogs? Uh, probably. Cats are a bit more finicky. And again, I don't see a ton of cats. So I have. Yeah. I would say I probably have not tried this on a cat. Okay. I, I don't. A, an older cat would be fine with it. But I don't know that a young cat would. But anyway, you could try yeah. it. It's not going to hurt yeah. anything. No, that, I mean, look, about, like I said, my, my guy just loves it. I mean. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Is, are there certain breeds as well that, that you see more often? Is it more of the larger sort of working type dogs? Yes. So we see the, the small guys don't do as many sports and they just don't trouble as the bigger dogs. So okay. and certain breeds have a tendency to have certain problems. So um, basically a vet friend of mine said, if you have a Labrador who's coming in through the parking lot into the vet clinic and he's on three legs, it's a cruciate tear until proven otherwise. Like they, so labs get knee problems. Uh, shepherds get hip problems. Okay. Uh, Dashens get back problems. Uh, poodles yeah. get shoulder problems. It just, every breed has its characteristics. And yeah. so you kind of already know what, like if I have a Corgi coming in, you know, who's, 
who's doing agility and they do, I'm going to think this could be a back problem because they're a long dog with short legs. Right. Oh, I if see. I have a, a shepherd coming in with like progressive weakness, I'm going to think, okay, this could be something like degenerative myelopathy, which is something that shepherds tend to get. Or if I have a great gain that's unsteady on his feet, this could be something like wobblers, which is an instability in the neck. So okay. knowing the different breeds and yeah. what, they present with helps you kind of with your diagnosis or your, you know, how you're going to assess and treat the, these dogs. Uh, but generally we see lots of arthritis and lots of sports injuries. Okay. Okay. And in terms of, you know, advice for, for others that are out there listening, cause there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the, in the audience that are either in business uh, thinking of maybe starting a business, maybe they've got a side hustle, you know, with your experience, Carrie, opening now, you know, sort of two clinics here, if someone was starting a business today, what, what advice would you give them? I would say you had better enjoy it because you are, you know, unless you've opened a business and unless you're an entrepreneur already, you have no idea how, how hard it is and but it's a labor of love right so you've got to really want to do this you've got to really want to work for yourself because you're going to be working 24 7 for the first couple of years and and don't go into business if you think this is a way to be able to spend more time with your kids or take more holidays because yeah that might come 10 years from now but that's not going to come in the first couple of years of yeah business. well said so so really love what you do, because when you love what you do, people are attracted to that, right? You, if you are uh, engaged in what you do, and, and that comes across, right, as you assess them and treat them, or as you service them in your, in your business. So, so really have a passion for it, because it's going to take up a lot of your time. But it's time well spent, because you can't imagine working for anyone else, right? Yeah. So it, it is, a, I would say it's like a calling rather than a business, you're going out and creating something for yourself. Um, I'll just give you an example, my sister is a lawyer. Okay. And, you know, I know you can hold that against her. That's fine. I do too. Remember, <laughs> remember I'm a dog. I never said that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so she's worked uh, in government law uh, her whole, her whole life and her whole working life. And, but it's all contracts. And so her, her last contract was finishing and she hadn't, you know, picked up another contract yet. So she's, we're chatting and she's saying, well, Maybe I hope she never listens to this actually, but anyway, it's <laughs> just going to say that <laughs> she'll never listen to it. She's, she's a lawyer. She says, uh, yeah, maybe you might, maybe if I can't find anything else, then maybe I'll go into business for myself. And I'm like, you're crazy. You can't <laughs> do it that way. It isn't, it isn't the last thing on your list. It yeah. It's sort of the last be, resort. Yes. It has to be the first thing on your list. It has to be, this like driving burning desire to do it because it takes it is so much harder than just showing up to work nine to five with you know a lunch break and six weeks of holidays right it doesn't yeah. work like that but yeah. i like myself cannot imagine not working for myself right like that is my personality so yeah so she didn't find another government job and she's happy with what she's doing so but she would not have survived in setting up her own business <laughs> so love what you do is my key take home yeah. point there oh yeah. that is excellent yeah that is re really well said what what three things have had the biggest impact on your success 
that you'd pass on? Um, so I think you have to find a need, right? So uh, if you're just doing the same thing that everybody else is doing, why, why does anyone care? Why is someone going to come and see you? So if you can find a niche and a need where you can specialize and become really good at one thing, like now I'm the best duck physio in the area. So now any duck that's injured is going to come to see me. Yeah. So get, you know, don't try to be me mediocre in everything. I would say become an expert in something. Okay. And people, again, you, you will get known for what you love to do and what you're good at. And you can't be good at everything in your profession. So, um, for example, if I talk about human physio, there are so many aspects to human physio. So what I'm really good at is uh, doing a technique called IMS or dry needling, or I stick needles in people's sore muscles and they okay. get way better. Right. So I, I, I have a reputation for that. That's what I'm known for. That's what people come and see me for, or they have an animal. That's what I'm known for. That's what they come and see me for. So I don't I try to treat babies. I don't try to treat neurological problems. I don't try right. to, I don't try to, it's all in my scope of practice as a physio, but there are way better people for you to see than me because I, I don't see. treat those sorts of things, right? So I would I say focus on, in on the things you really want, you love, and you really want to, to do well at. And don't worry. It's like the 80-20 rule. Like don't worry about the 20% that, you know, you don't need anyway. Focus, right. focus on what you're good at. Right, um, yeah. And, and my other tip would be just get involved in your community, right? Like, like when I moved to Kempville, I coached soccer. I played soccer. I worked with our local hockey team. I worked with our yeah. local team. Yeah, well said. Very well said. Team. I got out to all the dog uh, people and I gave lectures and I did all of this for free to get my name out there, right? And yeah, now, well 25 years later, they, they know that I'm well known in the community. So, right. you know, you can't, especially if you're self-employed and an entrepreneur, you got to be involved. You got to be involved with the people in your area. So, yeah. so get out and just do community things. Like it's not, it's not just about you. Right. And so. yeah. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of changeover, you know, obviously. Oh, huge out this way. Yeah. <laughs> huge. Yeah. Did you have any mentors along the way that, that you looked up to or. Oh, like tons. So, you know, as you can't go through your career, there's always, you know, instructors and educators and people that you learn from and, and the pioneers in canine physio. Um, so you, you know, you learn from them, they help you, you make your own mistakes, but you keep going and, you know, don't be afraid to get advice from people. And so we take, uh, our profession is based on courses, courses all the time. And even now I'm like 35 years into my physio career in, in a non COVID year, I would likely have two or three courses still every year. Um, so you learn, it's a constant learning thing. And if you, you stop learning, you, you start to lose your edge. You, you're not keeping up with the research. You're not keeping up with things. So, yeah, well so said. you know, lots, lots of those people are mentors. And, and also in business, um, you know, there's all kinds of like YouTubes and things online that you can participate in. Yeah. One of my favorites is Simon. Love Simon Sinek. So, okay. If, yeah. Simon Sinek. Yeah, he's great. Right. So start to find yeah. people like that online that podcasts that you can listen to yeah. and um, you know, things that help motivate your, help you grow in your business and motivate yeah. you personally, not just always in the same profession that you're in. So yeah, yeah well said, um, well so, said. So, 
so read a lot, you know, do a lot of all that personal growth is where you, and then you'll find mentors through all those books and all of those online programs and, and things like that. Yeah. That is a perfect uh, segue to a favorite book, uh, a favorite album, a favorite movie, oh. <laughs> a series that you're watching to get through COVID or what would you recommend to the audience along those lines? Okay, my favorite book and has been since university days, Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Don't know if you've okay. read it. Okay, no, I haven't. No, don't watch the movie. It's, you got to read the book. It's uh, it's 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 just it's kind of one of those books that I read every couple of years. You know, it's um. What is it called again? Atlas Shrugged. It's, okay. Uh, it was written in the oh a long time ago. God, I don't even know when she wrote that. The forties, fifties, maybe. Um, but highly influential for me and it really speaks to entrepreneurs. So, uh, okay. anyway, I encourage you to read that if you haven't read that. It's a, it's yeah. a novel. It's not a, you know, textbook or anything. Um, but I like to read and, uh, it, so I, ha I, I have a varied authors that I listen to, but, um, albums, I like the old stuff. Springsteen. I have seen Springsteen six <laughs> times in concert. How many times have you seen him? Never. <laughs> Never. Okay. So sadly, Springsteen was on the cover of Zoomer magazine a few months ago. So I'm no. like, well, I guess I'm officially a senior now because <laughs> my idol is on the front of Zoomers. <laughs> anyway, so if I'm listening to something, it'll be like Bob Seger or Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I just, I just Netflix. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't really like to sit through the commercials and um, I kind of like to have, I just Netflix. I love modern family. I just like, I just put okay. it on and then okay. I try to do something else with my brain while it's yeah. running in the background. But uh, anyway, I just, that's what I do to kind of relax is just kind of zone out with Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and what about staying balanced? Do you do anything in particular to try and stay stay a little bit more balanced? Or? Yeah, well, I have animals, so I, you know, when you have an animal, you have to get out with them. So, uh, you know, people who own dogs live longer. Like the dogs make you get outside and do things. So, I have a lab. We go biking together. We kayak together. We uh, we ski jor. We bike jor. So I'm out uh, regularly with him. And uh, in non-COVID times, I'm a real traveler. I, I like to get out of town. I'm, I'm really starting to feel this now. I'm telling you, I'm feeling like I've got cabin fever. <laughs> haven't flown anywhere. You know, when you work with all these teams, we're on the road all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, so, God, like I'm usually three or four times a year. I'm out not just doing physio stuff, but just doing, you know, traveling things. And yeah, oh, it's been since last January. So <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to... God, how we got to get out of town soon. So hopefully this, <laughs> you, this whole thing is over soon. Yeah. 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 Well said. Are, do you have a favorite food or restaurant, Gary? Uh, I, okay. The only reason I have a kitchen is because it came with the house. <laughs> I see. And so <laughs> I work a lot of hours and I have a lot of really nice patients and staff. So they bring me food all the time. Oh, very nice. So, yeah. So, so, um, uh, no, I try to I try to go to all of the local restaurants. I like to spread it around. But I one of my favorites would of course be the Brigadoon because it's about a hundred meters. 
So if you've never tried the Brigadoon in Oxford Mills, it's a very yeah. I've heard a lot of great things. About it's a very nice yes. restaurant. So that's probably my favorite locally. Okay, okay. And what about social media? What do you have a favorite platform or channel? Uh, I'm assuming you're speaking English right now. Because <laughs> yeah. Yes, favorite favorite social media platform. By that you mean Facebook. Like I okay, I'm over 50. Well, over 50. Uh so I don't even know what a tweet is. So, yes, okay. I I use So you're Facebook centric. Facebook is about the only one I would use. Yeah. And we do and um, what's fun on the canine side is, you know, there are no privacy laws about animals and so we can post lots of really fun things and pictures from from the canine treatments because everyone loves seeing their dog on facebook whereas on the human side we don't post anything because of privacy laws and things right so so we can have a lot of fun um with the ducks and the squirrels and the you know on our facebook page so that's right that's what i do that's but i don't really use anything else okay okay and what does an ideal day off look like for you so an ideal day off would be, uh, I would go out somewhere with uh, my dog. We'd have a nice run or a bike or a kayak. And then I'd come back and I'd meet up with some friends and we'd go do an escape room. Oh, very nice. Those are so fun. Oh, so, very nice. Oh, I like doing stuff like that. Okay. Okay. When people hear the name Carrie Smith, what do you hope they will say? I would hope they would say, oh, yes, she fixed my dog. Go see her. She's awesome because she fixed my dog. <laughs> that is awesome, Carrie. That is awesome. A very good summary as well. Very, very good. <laughs> in that answer. That is very well said. Very well said. So there you go. Hey, Carrie, thank you very much for uh, for joining us here uh, on the Ottawa Business Podcast. I wish you much success with the uh, with the uh, Campfield Canine Center, and uh, and hopefully, fingers crossed, here we're out of uh, we're out of COVID here shortly. Yeah, here's to a good 2022. So yeah. thanks, Paul. And uh, it was nice to Paul and I met through BNI, which is um, Business Network International, and that's a you know, facilitates these sorts of things together with business owners. So thanks again for inviting me on. Yes, not a, not a problem. Thanks. Thanks very much for joining us, Carrie. Appreciate it. For those individuals in the audience looking for additional information from our guest today, Carrie Smith and the Kempville Canine Center, you can find them on the web at www.kempvillecanine.com. That's www.kemptvillecanine.com. You can reach them in person at 2868 County Road 43 in Kempville. You can reach them by email at kempvillecanine at gmail.com. That's kempvillecanine altogether at gmail.com. And you can also find them on social media, on Facebook at Kempville Canine Center and on Instagram at Kempville Canine. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. We truly hope you found something of value in the show 
that you can use in your business or personal life. Please remember to like and subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite player. Thank you.